Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. All right, well, it is thanks, technically Thanksgiving Sunday. Thanksgiving is this next Thursday. And so um, what better thing to talk about today than Thanksgiving, than gratitude, right? Amen. Well, I want to talk to you, like I said, today about gratitude. So let's just go ahead and just jump right in. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner. Everybody say big dinner. There's no reason for that other than I'm excited for Thanksgiving and that just stuck out to me. Big dinner. She was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? How many of you are going to have that argument this weekend with your siblings? They're just sitting there. I'm doing all of the work. So Martha's doing the work. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. Tell her to come and to help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Go ahead and keep your finger there in Luke chapter 10 and and switch on over to me. Flip on over to uh, John chapter 12. Going to start in verse one. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. And of course, Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, this disciple, uh, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me but you will not always have me. Let's stop there. I know I've, I've shared this story before. In fact, looking back at my notes, I think the last time I shared this was the Sunday before Thanksgiving last year. Um, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell. So I'm gonna tell it anyways, because it fits perfectly. Um, back when I was a teenager, I was about 15 years old, probably getting close to 16. Amber was 14, uh, about to turn 15 that year. I think it was 2004 is when it was. Uh, our youth group took a trip to Matamoros, Mexico, and uh, Cam was there with us. Go ahead, and I've got pictures back there, Chad. Would you put up that first picture? So on this trip, um, one of the things we did is we went to this area that was, uh, was just full of poverty. So there was a village that we went into. Literally, this village was built in the middle of a landfill, the city landfill. 
uh, Amber, we were talking about it before the service. She said, I remember driving up to it. And as we were getting close to the city, I remember seeing these mounds and I thought they were mountains. And the closer you got, the, mo the more you realized that it wasn't mountains. It was actually just heaps and heaps of garbage piles. And there would be smoke coming off of different places in the pile where they were burning this trash. Um, I, I told Amber when we were looking through these pictures, I can smell these pictures. You know what I mean? Like I can smell the garbage burning in these pictures. And this village, it was a massive village, was built literally in the middle of these garbage heaps. You can't see it in this picture, but if, if the camera were to turn around, you would see these mountains of garbage that were, that were built. And these, these people li literally lived in the middle of the garbage. There was, the city was so big that the church, there was, a, there was a church built in the middle of this village. So imagine that. Imagine you're going to church, and in order to get there, you have to drive into the city landfill. That, that's where these people will live. That's, that was the reality. So one of the things that we were doing while we were there was we were going to build, uh, we called it a house. Really, you can see it was more like a, a large shed um, for, for this family. Uh, go back one picture there. So you can see there, uh, the building to the, to, I guess it would be your right, um, is, was their old house. This is where this, this lady lived with her kids. Uh, I don't remember how many kids she had. I just remember she had, you think it was four? Okay. Was, I can't remember if she was married. I just, two kids and a husband and a wife. So this is where they lived, was that shack right there. And you can see it's, it's literally just a shed, just a rundown shed. And uh, so this is where they were living. And, uh, and so one of the things we were doing while we were there, and you can see in the picture, is we were building a new house for them. So go ahead and show the next picture there. I want you to notice a few things about this picture. One, uh, you can see me there. Let's see, right, right, let's see. Uh, yeah, so you're on the left side, um, the third one in. One, uh, I want you to notice a few things. One, how much hair I had. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the second thing I wanted you all to notice is how defined my muscle was there. Of all the guys in the picture, I, I think it's, yeah, no, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. um, and the other thing I want you to notice, if you look all the way at the bottom, I'm wearing my Chuck Taylors with my high top white socks. <laughs> so I, I was styling in the day. I, I wore pretty much nothing but Chuck Taylors back in the day. If you didn't know this about me, I used to be in a punk band. That's how awesome I was. I still, I still rock the punk music every now and then. But anyway, so that there. And then I also want you to notice Cameron here at the very end. Notice, notice the really sweet shades, the early 2000s style shades there. Uh, notice no beard. I don't know if any of you have seen him with that, that short of a facial hair before. I don't know. And my favorite is, is the stance, the, the lean there. That's nice. So anyways, this was our crew of guys. Go to the next slide there. This was the ladies. Uh, you'll recognize the very beautiful one there on the, the right-hand side. That's Amber. And then go ahead and go to the next slide. This is our entire group that went in the completed house. So this house, uh, the upgrades, one, it's new. Two, actually had windows. If you notice, the other one didn't even have windows. Um, and then you can't see it in here, but on the back, we built this, this section. Uh, it was just, I think it was like three walls. And uh, it was their shower. 
And all it was was walls, and then it had a couple shelves for them to be able to set their buckets of water on that they would use to, to wash themselves. And, and for them, that was a huge accommodation. Like, it was a big deal uh, for them to have that. And so, so this was one of the things we did while we were there. So, so anyways, I wanted just to show you some pictures so you could, you could see kind of what we were doing. I think that's the last picture, isn't it? Yeah, that's the last picture. Um, so as we, as we're driving in, so we, we, this was in Morris, right across the border was what, what was city? What was it? Brownsville, Brownsville, Texas. So we would drive through the border every day. We'd come into the landfill every day at the entrance of the landfill, or it was probably more in the middle of the landfill as we were going to this house there, we would always pass our little friend and uh, there was a post set up and there was a rope. And tied to this rope was this donkey that we affectionately named Stumpy. Now, why did we name this donkey Stumpy, you might ask? Well, it was because Stumpy only had three legs. And every morning, we'd come in, we would turn the corner to go to the house, and Stumpy would be right there on the corner to greet us. And we, we fell in love with Stumpy, all right? Stumpy was awesome. So every day, we'd drive through, and we would see Stumpy. And we would drive through, we'd see Stumpy. On the last day that we were there, we drove by. Stumpy was missing. We didn't know what happened to him. We, we were kind of sad. We didn't get to see Stumpy on our last day. And so we get to the job site. As we pull into the job site, the lady who we were building this house for, she met us there and she was just beaming with pride. And she had this plate full of a bunch of burritos that she wanted to serve to us. Now, Keep in mind that this lady doesn't have very much money. Uh, she, again, she, you can see where she's living. So our immediate thought, where did she get the meat for these burritos? <laughs> now, I'm not saying this what happened. I'm just saying Stumpy was there every morning, but this particular morning. <laughs> and so, so she feeds us. She gives us, luckily, I was helping the Vacation Bible School that day. I think Cam was there that day, though. And uh, so the, our leader, Tim Grisham, he's up here in the pictures. He, he told us, he said, if you, if, uh, if you get served any food, watch me. If I eat it, then it's okay to eat. If not, then don't eat it. So they're all watching him, and he takes a bite of the burrito, and then he walks around the corner. So they all go, okay, I guess we better eat it. So they all eat it. What they didn't know was he took a bite of the burrito, then walked around the corner and spit it out and threw away the burrito. But the rest of them all ate the burrito, and I think they all needed some toms later on, if you know what I mean. Um, but anyways, anyways, the moral of the story is this, and, and I didn't ever catch this. I never thought about this. My teenage mind didn't put this together until really later on in life. But how significant was it that this woman served us those burritos? In my head, I'm just worried about Stumpy, you know? I'm just like, I don't really want to eat these burritos, you know? But how significant was it, this woman who, who the best that she can afford for her family is this little shack in the middle of a dump. She doesn't have much money for food or supplies or anything, but out of her poverty, she wanted to show us her gratitude, her thanksgiving. She made a meal for about nine people that day and served us out of her poverty. It reminds me of the story where Jesus is sitting at the money changer station and he's watching people come in and the, and the woman comes up and lays two mites into the bucket. 
And he says, this woman gave more than everybody else because she gave out of her lack. She gave out of her poverty. And it's the same with this woman. She gave out of her poverty. It was such a significant moment for us that she, she wanted to give out of her, she wanted to show and express gratitude towards us for building us this house. Listen, we would have been satisfied with a simple thank you. Just, just knowing that we were able to do this for her, we would have been satisfied with a thank you, but she, but being thankful wasn't enough for her. She needed to express her gratitude. She needed to express the emotion that was in her heart and she gave out of her poverty. There's a subtle difference between the words thankful and the word gratitude or grateful. The Oxford Dictionary defines thankful as this, pleased that something good has happened or relieved that something bad has not happened, right? Pleased and relieved, both of them are emotions, both of them are feelings. Grateful, the definition for grateful can also be considered a feeling, but it goes a step further. It says the, the definition for grateful is showing thanks. The definition for gratitude is expressing thanks, expressing. So thankfulness is a feeling that you have. And listen, feelings can be fleeting, right? We can have a feeling and it can go. Feelings can be forgotten and allowed to fade away. But gratitude, on the other hand, gratitude is when you take the thanksgiving from a passing feeling and you move it into the posture of your heart. Gratitude produces fruit. And here's, here's our main phrase today. Gratitude moves a feeling to an expression. Gratitude moves a feeling to an expression. Let's look at this. Let's go back now to Luke chapter 10 in the life of Mary. So in Luke 10, Jesus comes into their village, the village of Bethany. Martha invites Jesus and the disciples into her home and Martha begins serving them well, right? She begins feeding them. She serves them well, making them comfortable. Jesus begins teaching, which to us is pretty common, right? You can see Jesus teaching throughout scripture. Um, but for Mary, this was a monumental moment. I want you to notice something special about how Luke records this moment. It says that Jesus begins teaching, but Luke does not record what Jesus teaches. How many of you would believe that the Bible probably gives us the information that it intends on us focusing on, right? You would think you'd be telling us what Jesus is saying in this moment, but it doesn't record what Jesus is saying, but it, but it sure does record who was listening. It says, Jesus begins teaching and sitting right there front row at the feet of Jesus, Luke tells us that Mary is soaking in every word that he is saying. Why is this important? Many of you may know this, but in Jewish culture, it was unlawful for men to teach women the Torah. In fact, there's one, uh, there's one uh, uh, Pharisee, uh, one priest who is quoted, I think his name was Eleazar. He says this, he says, our first, uh, this is one of the first century rabbis. He said, rather should the words of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. 
And he goes on and he says, whoever teaches his daughter the Torah is like one who teaches her lasciviousness, which means like lewdness. He might as well be teaching her to be lewd. He might as well be teaching her um, to be lascivious. This is, this is what the rabbi believed about teaching women. Yet Mary sat at Jesus' feet and Jesus taught her the Torah. This was Mary's introduction to Jesus, a man who was famous for performing miracles, a man that spoke revelation like no one had ever heard before, and probably unbeknownst to her, the very son of God himself. Yet when they sat down at the small little house and Mary or Martha began serving, Jesus taught this young woman, who probably nobody knew, the very kingdom of heaven. I want to point out too that Martha wasn't doing anything wrong and she didn't upset Jesus. In fact, uh, I think I would appreciate Martha because the two out of the three times that she's mentioned in scripture, she's making dinner. So uh, she's already one of, she's up there on my list of some of my favorite people in the scripture, right? So she's not doing anything wrong. It's just that Mary understood the moment she was in. And instead of worrying about the busy work of serving, she sat at the feet of Jesus. Now it doesn't say, it doesn't say what Mary was feeling at the moment, but given the, given the uh, circumstance, given the situation, I think she was probably feeling pretty thankful, wasn't she? She was pleased that something good, something very good was happening to her. Amen. Nothing else is really said of Mary and Martha uh, until John chapter 11. Now it can be assumed by the context of John chapter 11 that, that Mary and Martha had several more encounters with Jesus in between that time period because it says that, that, um, that when Lazarus became sick, that they sent a person to tell Jesus that he was sick. And, um, and, it, and it, is, it records in scripture, it says that, that Jesus loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So it can be assumed that they had a relationship. In fact, this is kind of an interesting fact here, that throughout scripture, there's only four people that the Bible specifically records that Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved everybody, right? He loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We, we know he loved everybody, but the Bible only specifically mentions four people. One of them is John, the beloved. The other three are Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. The only ones recorded in scripture that specifically say Jesus loved them. So you can tell just by the context that Jesus had a special relationship with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And so, and it, this is something interesting as well. You know, we all, we all tend to complain uh, when bad things are happening to us. Like, God, have you forgotten us? Let's not forget that Jesus let Lazarus, the man he loved, the one, one of the ones he Bible recordedly recorded that he specifically loved, he let him die before he intervened, right? <laughs> so let's not forget that as we're going through trials, that he will intervene, amen? But back, back to the topic, he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we all know what happens in, 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 Luke, or in John chapter 11, right? 
Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Everybody know that? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But let's look at what happens again at the beginning of chapter 12. It says, it was six days before Passover. Martha had once again prepared a meal for Jesus. And then Mary walks in, holding this 12-ounce jar of nard oil. This oil was worth, the Bible says, 300 denarii, which was a year's wage for a normal Jewish person. Uh, by today's standards, that oil was worth between fifty-five to $60,000. Fifty-five to $60,000. Mary comes in with this, this 12-ounce jar of oil. She walks past her brother, Lazarus who just a few days ago was dead and in a tomb, but is now sitting at the table laughing and enjoying his sister's meal because of Jesus. She finds her way to the feet of Jesus once again, Mary's favorite spot, right? At the feet of Jesus. She begins pouring the oil, all of it, all 12 ounces all $60,000 worth of oil she pours on Jesus' feet. And then she does something that often gets mentioned, but I think the significance of it is often overlooked. She begins wiping the excess oil off of his feet with her hair. Now this is significant because in Jewish culture, women wore shawls on their head um, to, to cover their heads. It was, it was part of their tradition that in public, women were not allowed or did not uncover their hair. So you have to think about this moment. She uncovered her hair. She has this shawl in her hand. She would, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that it would have been easier for Mary to have used the shawl to wipe off the excess? Certainly would have been cleaner and easier to do. Or I'm sure that there was a rag or something on the table that she could have used, or at the very least, she could have even used her robe. But instead, she wipes his feet with her hair. Why would she do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us a clue into why she did that. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 14 and 15. It says, does not even the nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given to her for a covering. That word glory there is the word doxa, which is the same word used throughout scripture for the glory of God. The Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory. That word glory means splendor, honor, pride, Greatness, that in the Bible times, a woman's long hair was her pride. It was her self-worth. It was her beauty. It was her splendor. It was her glory. And so what Mary does in this moment is she unwraps her hair. She doesn't use a towel. She doesn't use her scarf. She uses what the Bible says is the very glory of a woman to clean and to wipe off her hair. So what is she saying? She's saying, she's saying Jesus I'm laying down my own self-worth to serve. I'm, I'm giving you 
what you have given me as my glory, my beautiful, my beauty. I'm giving you what my, my self-worth, my pride, and my honor, I'm laying that all down and I'm using it to clean and to wash your feet. Some around the room, when this happens, look at this and they say, this is too extravagant of a gesture. They look at this and they may be thinking, how dare you take off that scarf and unveil your hair in public? Judas is recorded saying, why this waste with the perfume? Why would you take this, this very expensive, costly perfume and waste it by pouring it all out on his feet when this, 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 this perfume, this oil could have been sold and it could have been used to profit and to, to, uh, <clears throat> to give to the poor and the needy. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, you know, this $60,000 expression is worth more than helping the poor. This $60,000 expression was more valuable to me and more necessary than even helping the needy in the community. Think about that statement for a moment. This expression of gratitude was so worthy in Jesus' eyes that he would have rather had that than to use that money to help the poor. This tells you the importance of worship, of gratitude. It was at this moment that Mary's thankfulness, that the thankfulness that she felt when she was sitting at Jesus' feet before has now moved into an expression of gratitude. That this feeling has now traveled through this journey from just being a feeling of being pleased and grateful to a feeling and to an expression of gratefulness. What I want to challenge us with today is this. How many times, how often do we allow ourselves to remain in the feeling of gratefulness? That we're, we're thankful and we have that feeling of, of being pleased and relieved and we have this feeling of gratefulness, but how often do we allow that feeling to navigate over into expression? How often do we allow that feeling to navigate over, take that journey over to expression where a feeling turns into an expression? Amen? It's good to be thankful, to feel pleased and relieved, but let's not let it stop at a feeling of being grateful. Let's not allow our feelings of thankfulness, or I'm sorry, let's, let's do allow our feeling of thankfulness to birth in us a posture of gratitude and that our gratitude would bear the fruit of worship. Here's the question I wanna ask you. Is your thankfulness bearing fruit? Is your feeling of being pleased and grateful, is it bearing fruit? We can take this uh, even into our, our normal everyday lives with other people. Is your gratitude for other people producing fruit in that? Is it, is it producing fruit? Are you, uh, are you washing dishes for your wife? 
Is it is your gratitude and your thankfulness towards her? Is that expressing something? Maybe it's it's getting a gift for a friend that you're grateful for. Maybe it's just a long conversation with somebody. Maybe it's a surprise visit to grandma's house and taking some time out of our busy schedule to sit down with grandma and just to have a conversation with her because you are thankful for her life. You know, we can hit up all of those five love languages, right? It's expressing gratitude. What is your gratitude towards him producing? Are you moving from a feeling of gratitude to an expression of gratitude for him? What, What can that look like? What can that expression of gratitude look like? It can look like worship, which did a series a few few weeks ago on worship, that expression of thankfulness. Maybe it's, maybe it's lifting up your hands and you've never done that. And you're just wanting to express your gratitude. Maybe it's just simply obedience and just doing what he's asked you to do. And you talk to that person he's asked you to talk with. He's You're laying down maybe something he's asked you to lay down. It's moving from that feeling of gratitude to that expression of gratitude. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give to anybody, but especially to the Lord, is our time. Just simply giving him time. Time these days is super fleeting, isn't it? I mean, it's already the end of November, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you realize that or not. We have one and a half months to go before we go into a new year. Time is just passing us by at a rate we can't even imagine. And we're all so, so busy. What if we gave some of that time every day to just offer up to him in gratitude? That we didn't even go to him asking for things, that We just go to him to spend time with him because we're thankful for all that he's done. Again, what I want to get a point, the point I want to get across today is this, is is just simply that we would go from a feeling of thankfulness, that we would move it into an expression of gratitude, that we wouldn't allow it just to remain a feeling, but that we would let it take that journey into gratitude and that it would become an expression and not just a feeling. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand together. Jesus, we honor you this morning. God, and we are so thankful, so thankful for all you've done for us. God, words cannot even begin to express it, Jesus. God, that you literally gave up your own life so that we can have our life, that you became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, we owe our entire lives to you. God, and it's easy as we go along this journey of being Christians, it's easy, the longer we are Christians, it's, it's easy for us to allow those feelings of thanksgiving to become fleeting and to pass us by. It's easy for us to become numb to what you've done for us. But God, I pray that in this season of Thanksgiving, Father, God, that you would renew in us an expression of gratitude, Father. God, that you would remind us what it is that you've done for us and how significant 
that is and how life-altering that is in us, Jesus. And God, that we would be as Mary, God, and that we wouldn't just allow that feeling to remain, but we would allow that feeling to come through in an extravagant expression. God, I love how the, the scripture says that her pouring the perfume on your feet, it says that, it, that the, the fragrance filled the entire room. God, I pray that our thanksgiving, our gratitude, our expression of worship would permeate the entire atmosphere. That that feeling of thanksgiving, that, that uh, expression of gratitude would permeate our hearts like that perfume permeated that room. God, we are so thankful, Jesus, for what you've done. God, in this week, we choose to not just let it remain a feeling, but to let it move into an expression. And God, for those even around us, Jesus, those that have meant so much to us, our moms and dads, our aunts and uncles and other family members, our friends that are around us, our church family, God, those that have impacted our lives, God, I pray that you would allow us and you would teach us how to let that feeling of thanksgiving move into an expression of gratitude. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful. The church said, Amen. Amen.